Thank you, Pierre. If you've been coming here for a, a couple of years, you will know that as a local church, we've been supporting a work in Germany. Um, but more than just a work in Germany, we've been supporting the Lowe family. And I've known Gareth and Taryn for, well, let's not say how long because then it'll give away. I'm thinking about 18 years that I've known them. Uh, Gareth pastor, Gareth and Taryn pastored our church in Grahamstown for a number of years and then believed they believed that God gave them a call to go to Germany. Now, let me tell you, if you go to Germany to plant a church, you better know that you're being called by God. It's, it's not an easy field to go into. It's not an easy field to plow. And uh, it's met with a lot of hostility. And uh, these people are heroes in my eyes. This, this is what every nation is all about. It's about us reaching the nations. And it's a privilege and an honor for us to have Gareth and Taryn and Cutty and Joseph and Jenna with us this morning. There's one missing, uh, Benji, he's not here, but uh, great to have them with us. And uh, I want you to give Gareth a warm Somerset West welcome. Thanks. Thanks, Frank. It's a real honor for us to be here. And it's especially an honor to be here as a family. Um, we're so excited. And for those of you who don't know, um, this church has been partnering with us since we left nearly nine years ago. As, as actually, we only have two churches that support us. And this is one of those churches that support us from South Africa. So we're so grateful for that monthly support. And also when we send out our newsletters, it's so great that... Um, that people like uh, Ricky or Kate or whatever sometimes reply on those newsletters, give us support, encouragement, and have done that over the years. So this church has been really in our corner supporting us for so long, and we, we're really so grateful for that. And then I, I asked the church if they'd be willing to consider supporting us to get here as a family, because we really felt we needed to come as a whole family for the World Conference. And so they sponsored Jenna coming here, so we're just so grateful for that. And I'd just like my, my family just to come up quick so you can see them. Um, so Benji is around. He's upstairs somewhere. Um, he's a bit of a tornado, so I hope it's still, it's still all together up there. Because when he's out of sight, anything can happen. But anyway, this is our family, so we're just so, so glad to be here. And I want to honor my wife who we left Grahamstown um, when she was pregnant with our third child, Kati. And she was five months pregnant. And that's, we landed in Berlin in winter with her five months pregnant to, to do church planting, starting from scratch. We didn't have anybody waiting for us there. We didn't have anything. And she was willing to leave her family from South Africa behind. She's a, a very deeply, proudly South African girl. And, uh, and she was willing to leave that all behind to go and plant. So just to honor my parents, why don't you give... Uh, my, my wife and my kids. I oh, honor my parents too. Um, uh, but why don't you give them a big hand for everything they've done? And so, yeah, we're just really honored to be here. So thank you for having us. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin with a video. This is, we, every year we put a little video together which shows our church what, what's happened over the last year. So this was... The video we put together, it's, it's a little dated now because we normally show it in January, but so the previous 12 months from then of what's happening in, in Berlin. But I think through the pictures and the videos, you'll, see, you'll get a feel for the, the church and the city and what's been happening. 
And then I'll just do a little bit of commentary. So if you can just keep this mic on, uh, because some of the text is in German, and I'm guessing most of you can't read that. Although I heard that um, there are a lot of Germans here in Somerset West, so um, maybe it'll be familiar for, for some of you. But let's let's roll that video, and then you can see what's happening. This was my 40th birthday, actually. <laughs> so this is a victory camp, the inner healing camp. It's a guest speaker from the Netherlands. Some of you know Bruce Fiddler. Prophetic training. Uh, we recorded an, a music album last year. This is Pray for the University. A leadership camp. We hosted the, all the pastors and leaders from Europe for a, a leadership training. And Steve Murrell was the guest speaker. <laughs> this is baptism. Baptism at the public lake. was Cuddy getting baptized. This is a big event in Nuremberg, Awakening Europe. That's our CD. School of Empowerment, which we host. So this is our venue. Um, yeah, there again. This was Bible school graduation. This is Refugee Ministry. Uh, the Christmas celebration.
Yeah, this is a, ref- a Christmas for refugees. Yeah, so that was 49 people got saved, 12 people um, recommitted, 383 first-time visitors, 19 people baptized in the Spirit, and 18 people water baptized last year. And these are just the seven priorities we're focusing on in the church. So it's presence of God, the university students, the refugees, um, the harvest, evangelism, uh, discipleship, uh, German leaders, and church planting. And this is a song, by the way, that was written by someone in the church that's playing right now. That's it. Here we go. So um, I've been asked to share quite a lot of testimonies in this message. So I'm going to weave a whole lot of testimonies in with um, sharing from the Bible this morning. So I'll begin by one of the very first things that happened when we got to Germany. Um, you know, we didn't speak German before that. We didn't know German. So we were trying to learn the language, study the culture, and get integrated. And uh, a team came mostly from Grahamstown, and uh, a team of 15 people came over to help us plant the church. So that was a huge help, and I don't recommend church planting without a team. Uh, um, So that was really great. But as we were praying and seeking the Lord and reaching out to people, we went, in the first 12 months, we didn't lead a single person to Christ. And this was this was really uh, stressful for us because we realized that if we, if we can't reach people, we can't plant a church. And, and if you can't reach people, the rest of the process stops. You can't, you can't train them. You can't make them leaders. You can't do anything. So, um, and it's not like in Berlin, you've got all these Christians just waiting for a great church to come. Um, so it was really stressful for us and we couldn't, we were just not having any success. And then eventually after 12 months, um, God gave us a bit of grace, and some guys in our team led someone to Christ, except that he was Japanese, and two weeks later, he went back to Japan. <laughs> so I was like, Jesus, great that he got saved, but <laughs> you know, we're looking for Germans here, and it would be good if they could stay. So anyway, we, I just kept having this feeling, we need to, we need to go and evangelize on the streets, and, and we were told, that's impossible, it doesn't work in Germany. But I kept on having this feeling, no, we need to do it, we need to do it. And so eventually we went out in summer onto the streets and we began engaging people in spiritual conversations. And so I was at Alexanderplatz, which is this big square in the middle of town, um, former East Germany, East Berlin. And I met this guy called Jochen sitting on a bench in Alexanderplatz with the whole of the city passing by. And so we got talking and I discovered that he was, he was raised and grew up in East Germany. He was an atheist. His parents were atheists and his grandparents were atheists. He had never been to church and he was over 40 and he was just over 40. So I realized from a missionary perspective, he was in the category of the hardest to reach people on the whole planet. And so we began talking and, and I shared the gospel with him and then he asked me some questions And after talking, I guess, for about an hour and a half or so, he gave his life 
to Jesus on a bench in the middle of Berlin. So I realized that God is the God of miracles and he can save anybody. And at the same time on that, there was another guy, a 20-year-old student, also grew up atheist in the East. His name was Tony and he got saved. And so we got Jochen and Tony together and uh, we sat them down on the same bench that they got saved in, 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 in Alexanderplatz. And, and me and another girl on our team, Caroline, began explaining baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I've, we've, you know, we've prayed for a lot of people to be filled with the Spirit. And, but praying for a German to be filled with the Spirit who had only just gotten saved, like, just before that, and from the East, and those guys are totally not into miracles. Um, I was, I, I must tell you, I had some reservations. And so um, I said to Caroline, could she do the teaching? And then I thought, okay, and then I'll try and answer all the difficult questions I'm going to have after that. So... Caroline did this teaching on the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and at the end of that, I looked at these two German guys who had been atheists just days before, and I said, Jochen and Tony, do you have any questions? And this was all in broken German as well, by the way. Um, and so um, they looked and they said, no. So I was really shocked. I thought, a German without questions about like something totally supernatural. So I, I was really surprised. And then I said, so would you like for us to pray for you right now, right here to be filled with the spirit? And I went, yeah. <laughs> so right there and then on this public square in Alexanderplatz, we laid hands on them and they were filled with the spirit and began speaking in tongues right there in the middle of the city. So then let me tell you another story. Um, this guy is called um, a Ferdi. So maybe just if you just go a little further, James, in that PowerPoint. Yeah, okay. So Ferdi on your left there, um, he was a fourth-year uh, theology student at the Humboldt University. And when we met him, even though he was in his fourth year studying to be a pastor, he was not saved. And the reason he is not saved or was not saved is because no one in his class was saved. And the reason no one in his class was saved is because none of his professors are saved. And the reason none of his professors are saved is because in Germany, Germany is the, the home of liberal theology. And liberal theology doesn't believe in Jesus as we would or in the Bible as we would. They've, they've basically gutted all the supernatural out of it. And so they teach it like they teach philosophy. So when we met him, um, there was uh, two people on our team who met him and they actually went to the theology faculty cheese and wine at the end of the year and were thinking, you know, theology, these guys have got to be pretty upstanding. And they went there and found that it was totally debauched and they were like lesbians making out in front of everyone right there at the theology, in the theology faculty cheese and wine. And so anyway, we got to know Ferdi and, um, and through our team, uh, shared the gospel with him, and he became a Christian. He gave his life to Jesus and became born again, and he's continued his studies. He's nearly finished now because they've got to do all these practical things as well um, for him to be a pastor in the Lutheran church, um, and he lives in a different city now. So what happened is, um, so Ferdi actually got saved as a theology student, and then uh, a little bit later on a victory camp, I prayed for him to be filled with the Spirit, 
and I'll tell you a little bit more about that just now. Um, and then the other guy you can see on the PowerPoint, his name is Ollie Oliver. And when we met Ollie, he basically didn't speak. Um, it was hard to tell if he was really a Christian or not, um, but he was totally broken down. When I say broken down, I mean to the point of non-functionality. Like he could hardly talk. And he, um, the one time, for instance, I tried to engage him after a church service. We always have a meal and coffee and stuff. So we're sitting at a table a little bit like this. And um, I was at a seat here and he, and he was there. So I came and I sat down next to him and I, and I started to talk to him in German. Um, he only speaks German. And um, we exchanged one or two uh, sentences and then he just, he just went like this. And he put his head down on the table. And just didn't, and he didn't answer a question. I asked, put his head down, and that was the end of the conversation. It just ended like that. He was just totally socially inept. Anyway, he be, we began to, to he got water baptized, filled with the Spirit, probably got saved as well through us, um, and um, had all his inner issues started to get healed. And this picture is actually of him finishing Bible school. That we that we had written and translated into German, and so there he is at the Bible school grad. And today he just started about a month ago as a small group leader, and so God has taken him on this really wonderful journey from total brokenness. Oh, and the one thing to say is, and this is a common problem we have in Germany, is that people refuse to pray publicly. Absolutely, I mean, in South Africa people might be a bit shy, but in Germany we have a lot of people who point blank absolutely categorically refuse to ever pray even in a small group with anyone else and so he was one of those and today and and the other thing is he also totally refused to ever speak in public and so at the last christmas play that we did he was the main actor in it so god has set him free and he now prays freely Another thing that we discovered in Germany is that there are a lot of demons there, and we weren't anticipating that. Um, we've cast out more demons in Berlin than we ever did in, 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 in South Africa. And um, we had this one totally crazy experience where we, we did our first victory camp, and there was this girl who came along, and she wasn't part of our church. Her name was Magdalena. She was a German girl. Her father was a pastor in the Lutheran church. And um, she actually came in, in my car to the, to the camp, and I mean, she looked totally normal, just like a regular person. And so on the camp, uh, what happened is uh, we, were, we, we went through the whole inner healing and everything, and then we were doing baptism in the Spirit. And Fadi, who you just saw, the theology guy, I was praying for him to be filled with the Spirit. And so I laid hands on him, and he just began speaking in tongues, and the Spirit was moving in his in him and as I did that I looked across like leaders do to make sure everything else is going okay in the rest of the meeting and one of our girls Carolyn was praying for this girl Magdalena and as she was praying for her to be filled with the spirit you could just tell it's not working you know when you look and you can see okay it's just not something's not right here and so she was praying and and I looked at her and Carolyn looked at me at that moment and she just went like this and shook her head so I left Ferdy, and I went over, and as I started to leave, I had a word of knowledge. It's a demon. And as I, as I came to her, as I came to her, 
I was about Frank's distance, from me to Frank away as I walked over the room. And when I got to about this far away, she just totally manifested. Like she just went ballistic and she fell on the floor and was just writhing on the floor. And, and we cast this demon out of her and she was totally set free. And just after that, she came up and shared her testimony that she actually had a, some sort of relationship with a demon that she'd seen it on many occasions. It would sit on her shoulder and had, led, had tried to lead her into sexual immorality, into drunkenness, into, and tried to get her to commit suicide. But she knew this demon and given it a name and everything. It was, it was a crazy situation, but she was a pastor's daughter. And it was just one of those totally shocking things, but we've come to realize that um, it's, it, it, this is a problem. And, and just a few months ago, there was another guy in our church, his name is Jan, and his father, is a Lutheran pastor and missionary. And he came back from the mission field a couple of years ago. And um, so when I met Jan, he was a Christian already. And I thought, great, you know, his parents are missionaries, pastors, you know, um, I'm sure he's strong and everything. But we could tell something was wrong. And so I met with him just, like I said, a couple of months ago. And uh, well, actually what happened is he came to me for prayer because he had a skin condition. And so, uh, a very serious skin condition. And so we began praying about it. And as we were praying about it, I had this funny feeling that it was more than physical. And so we began talking and discovered that um, um, it was a, a problem that came down his family line. And it was, it was a demonic problem. And so, right there, sitting at the front of church directly after a service, um, we prayed for him to, to be delivered of this demon. But I knew that I needed to follow it up and do some more ministry. So we made an appointment and he came to see me. And I got to tell you, we drove out so many demons. There must have been at least five of them in there. And just of every kind afflicting this guy. And just the, the total brokenness on the inside that allows something like that to happen. And so um, he was set free and he's going from strength to strength right now. Um, but just, the, just to say that these are some of the things that we have encountered. And Berlin is, is, I, is, in my experience and in many other people's experiences, the most broken city that people have ever been to. Um, it's, it's just filled with brokenness. Um, but let me um, move towards um, sharing a couple of scriptures. And, um, and I want to preach on something called last wishes. And this is the last wishes of Jesus. And Jesus' final and last wishes come from his last words. And the last words we call generally the Great Commission. And um, we can find those, we can find this in, in, in actually five different places in the Bible. So I'm going to give you the reference and then I'm going to kind of go, for the, go through them a little bit later as we go through the message. But if you're interested, it's Matthew 28, 18 to 20. That's the one that everyone seems to know. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, but also Mark 16, 15 to 20 is also the Great Commission. Luke 24, verse 46 to 49. John 20, verse 21 to 23. And Acts chapter 1, verse 3 to 8. Th these are the five Great Commissions, basically the same thing said in different words, that Jesus gave to the church. Now, when someone dies, normally they share what's really important to them. 
uh, what's, what's really on their heart. And, and today people write a will and they have their final will and testament. And on someone's deathbed, people normally gather the people who they who they the closest to, who they love the most, and they impart to them what's most important. And that's what Jesus did before he ascended up to heaven. He gathered those who were closest to him together, the apostles, and he imparted to them his final wishes. And that is the Great Commission. And you can summarize the Great Commission like this. Go and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations in the power of the Spirit. That is the Great Commission. And we're going to go through that in a moment now. But I do want to say this, and it's important when you hear all these great testimonies, that the context the Great Commission was given in is one of weakness and doubt. Um, the apostles were not superheroes. They were not people who just never doubted, were full of confidence, and just were just blitzing people with the Holy Spirit everywhere they went. They were people who were very much human, just like you and me. Every great a person you read about in the Bible or you see today doing things, they, they, they're very human. They have weaknesses, they have doubts. Um, think about the context of the Great Commission. It says, it says in, in Matthew 28, it says, they came to him and they met him on the mountain. It says, and they worshiped him. And then there are these crazy words that are written in there. But some doubted. When I read that first, I was like, what? They doubted after the resurrection. How could they do that? They did, and so do you and I. We doubt sometimes. And then the next words that Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus just went right ahead and gave them the great commission anyway. So I really want to encourage you that in your doubt, Jesus is still giving you the great commission. Peter had just denied Christ. Judas had just betrayed Christ. Thomas had just doubted Christ. But even though that had happened, Jesus still gave them the great commission. And that makes me feel good. And when, and when we go out, especially when, you know, going out church planting, and I'm sure it's true of every local church right here, even in beautiful Somerset West, is that church planting and church growth, it can feel like wading through mud sometimes. It's, it's not like we just arrive and, you know, and we pull off our shirt and underneath is an S and the muscles are rippling and we just like, Behold the glory. It's, a, it's not like that. It's, we come in weakness. We come in trembling. We come um, not always sure what's going to happen or how we're going to do it. And even when good things happen, sometimes they get undone. And that's important that you understand that as we share these testimonies. It's not like someone always just got saved, filled with the Spirit, something glorious happened, and then they just went, you know, they just went from glory to glory. No, sometimes they went from glory back to sin, back to dysfunctionality, back to some kind of problem. And then we worked with them some more and try to help them again. And then they got another breakthrough and then they, and then they had a breakdown. And then they had a breakthrough and then a breakdown. So I just, it's important you, that I say that, otherwise you might get the wrong idea. And then maybe you'll actually visit us in Berlin and go, huh, what? I thought you said. Um, so it's not like that. It's, it's, it, there's, we, we have... Um, not all testimonies end well. Not all breakthroughs remain breakthroughs. Sometimes they go back to breakdown. And there is, there's, there's always that human element which, 
where, where sometimes it's, it's, it's two steps forward, one step back. And sometimes it's one step forward and it's two steps back. And that happens. Sometimes, you know, I, church planting to me is like, it's like wading through mud. It's extra slow. It's hard work. It's difficult. Sometimes it feels like it's, 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 it's like there's a row of demons and you just hit but one and it'll hurt you, but they drop. And then you, you go to the next one and the next one and eventually you hit one guy. Instead of him dropping, you drop. <laughs> and then you have to get back up. Jeez, what happened? I lost that one. And you get back up and you, and you have a go again. And that's, that's what it's like. So just to encourage you in your life right now where you are, don't listen, don't watch the video, hear the testimonies and think, gosh, what am I doing? I'm, I've really messed this up. No, you just, you just like me, you just, just like everyone else. We're, we have our weaknesses, we have our doubts, we have our problems. But the main thing is you, you don't give up, that you keep going and you keep trying and you keep looking at Jesus and you keep saying, Jesus, I'm weak, but you're strong. I'm small, but you're great. And as you keep doing that, wading through the mud of your life, Jesus is gonna do something amazing and something beautiful. So that's a really big encouragement. Um, so the Great Commission, though, is go and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations in the power of the Spirit. So the first point is, number one, go, is go. And we see this, Jesus said in Matthew 28, go, so that's pretty clear. Again in Mark 16, go into all the world. And then it says in the end of Mark 16, they went out everywhere. And in John, Jesus says, I'm sending you. So we are sent out to go. Now, sometimes we go to nations and sometimes we just go to our neighbor. So going doesn't always mean leaving your home and going to a different continent. Most of the time it doesn't. But what it does mean is that when you walk out of here just now, after three hours of hearing me preach, what you're gonna do is you're gonna look for someone to go to. That's what you're doing. It might be someone at the supermarket, it might be your neighbor who lives just across the way, it might be your colleague at work, it might be, I was gonna say the mum at the Spielplatz, but um, I guess that doesn't really happen here. It's, 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 but in whatever context you've got, it's just going across and being ready to take that step. So we've, we've got to go. And um, we were called, though, to, to go to Berlin. And um, let me just tell you a little bit about that. Berlin is the capital city of Germany. So I've got some nice pictures here. So there's the one. Okay, you can roll to the next one. Um, here's the Brandenburg Gate, which is like the most famous place people always come and take photos. Okay, this is the Oberbaumbrücke, the, um, the bridge connecting two districts, what was former east and west. And that on the left, the train there is the, is the S-Bahn, which loads, loads of people use. Okay, let's see the next one. Okay, and this is then the Berlin Wall, and that was our family there. Um, so Berlin is, is the capital. It's, so the politics is a big thing there. It's also the arts and, art and cultural capital of Germany. Um, it's home to 150,000 students. So it's got more students than any other city in Germany. And it's got the biggest population in Germany, three and a half million in, in, in Berlin itself, maybe nearly five in the bigger area. Um, but Berlin is also a dark city. And so I've got a couple of pictures here about that. 
This is the, from the Christopher Street Day, the gay, para gay parade that happens. It is, the, it is the European capital of homosexuality um, and also of clubbing. So you have people coming into the city every weekend for the clubs. And the clubs, I mean, don't think, you know, disco. Um, this, these are clubs where things happen there that I, I can't say it right now what happens there. And you wouldn't know what happens there unless it was reported somewhere because you just wouldn't be there. Um, but there are the most terrible, perverse things that happen in these clubs which invite the worst kind of oppression and brokenness into our city. And um, so that's a huge issue there. Berlin has also got, um, it's broke as a city. It's one, it's one of the only broke big German cities. And that's a heritage from the communist time and the... The left is very strong politically in the city, still rule the city, um, and don't rule it very well. Um, so it's, it's the most promiscuous of all the cities of Berlin, um, of Germany. It's where all the young people come for wild parties, and it's got the highest abortion rate. It's got the highest social welfare rate, um, and it's, um, it's, it's just got a lot of social problems. So all the problems... That connected to poverty and, and brokenness, you find the highest in, in, in Germany is, is Berlin. Um, so, for instance, when we started the church, we got a whole lot of people who were on Hartsphere, which is the social welfare, and they had been on this for years and years. Some of them had been on it for 13 years, even though they were in good health, had nothing wrong with them. And Ollie, that guy I told you about, he was one of them. And we said to Ollie, you need to go and get a job. And he said, why would I go and get a job and get paid less and have to move out of my nice apartment, which this, the government pays for, and get a job and put myself at risk and, and actually get less money? So this was the argument we've come into again and again. And so we've had to disciple people in going out to get a job. And if you've worked with people who haven't had a job for many years, you'll know that it, it messes you up. It, it, um, it, it damages you especially men. And um, you've got to do a lot of work with people in terms of identity and so forth to get them to have the confidence to go out and do that. And so I think maybe one of the biggest successes of our church is getting all of these social welfare people to go out and just get a job. And so many, most of them have not done that. And so that's been a big victory, but it's been a lot of hard work. Berlin is also famous for what they call Berliner Schnauzer. This is like literally means Berlin snout. Um, because it's famous in Germany for the way people speak, which is very sharp. And so they bite you all the time. And so you could be anywhere doing anything, like in a restaurant, and um, you could just, you, you, you can feel like you're attacked uh, by the way they speak because they just don't really understand social etiquette. So these are some of the big challenges that we face there. The city is... Is a city of depression. Many people are depressed. One in five children in the city are depressed um, or have psychological problems, major psychological problems. I mean, we're dealing with this issue all the time. Um, that it's, it's, it's got to the problem where it's filling up hospital beds where they don't know what to do with people because they, they need the hospital beds, but there's so many people with psychological problems. And it's just because of what goes on in the city. Um, so we had this girl in our church. Her name was Britta. Wonderful girl. Um, and she went on an extended stay to New Zealand, and when she was there, um, she had very unfortunately committed suicide. And 
um, it was a terrible blow to our community and everyone was devastated by this. And so what happened is we did a, a memorial service for her and then that weekend, I felt like I really need to address this deeply um, from the pulpit and not preach a regular message, but talk about suicide and depression. And so, uh, we, so we shared that message and I thought, you know, it's taking quite a risk because, you know, first time visitors coming in and, you know, hearing a message about suicide and someone did commit suicide and everything. Anyway, I just felt we, we had to do it. So we did this. And what I didn't know is that there was a girl called Nadine and she was about to commit suicide. And she came as a first time visitor to us church on that particular service. And she walked into that service. And at the end of it, I spoke about depression and suicide. And at the end, we prayed for people, uh, for any demonic force which was connected with that to be broken and for God to, to give them hope and you know, do all the inner work that needs to be done. And when we prayed for her, she was set free from wanting to commit suicide in that moment. And um, then she got baptized, filled with the Spirit and everything else. And that's her giving a testimony right there. So um, that's another testimony of what God has done. Um, like I said before, another thing that's really huge in the city is homosexuality. It's, it's a real problem and you're not allowed to say anything about it, against it. Anyway, so um, Ralph, um, the next guy um, here, he was in a, a civil union, which is kind of like a civil marriage kind of, um, and he was married as a homosexual for 13 years. And then he met Chris on our team, who was his neighbor. And Chris just began to befriend him, invite him to church, and um, actually, without even speaking to him about it, the Holy Spirit began to speak to him about it, and he got divorced from his homosexual marriage and decided that he was going to live either celibate or ultimately get married to a lady. So um, after 13 years of being married like that, that's what happened. So my question is, where are you called to go? Who are you called to reach? It might not be in Germany. It might just be, like I said, just right here in Somerset West, someone right next to you. The second thing we get in the Great Commission is that we're called to preach the gospel. We're called to preach the gospel. And you can see this in all these different um, accounts of it. It talks about um, teaching them to obey everything, to preach the good news, do it everywhere, talk about repentance and forgiveness, be a witness, etc. So it's become quite trendy in certain circles to be against preaching. But I want to tell you that preaching is a very good thing. Preaching is a powerful thing. But, and preaching does not mean shouting. Preaching does not mean being stupid. Preaching does not mean shoving the Bible at someone. Preaching doesn't mean not answering people's questions. And it certainly does not mean not listening. Preaching normally begins with listening. You've got to listen first. You've got to ask questions. And then you get a chance. Preaching just means to declare the good news. So, I'm sure some of you were preaching last night. As the Springboks defeated the Aussies, you preached. You, you told someone the good news. We got them. We got those Aussies. We, we won. Okay? So you preached. That, that's, and you did it with a smile on your face. You were happy. And you thought it would be good when you told it to that person. Right? That's exactly how we share the gospel. Smiling, happy, thinking it's going to help that person. But we've got to do it because it's not intuitive. People don't just think, oh, yeah, a Jew died 2,000 years ago, killed by the Romans. 
Oh, and then he just, oh, that means I can get saved today. No, people don't get that. It has to be explained to them why Jesus' death on the cross leads to your life being totally transformed today. So you've got to explain it. Don't just think they'll get it. Don't think the Holy Spirit will do it for you. The Holy Spirit is our helper, not our taker over. That means he won't take over our job. He'll empower us to do our job. So we've got to preach the gospel. And one of the things that we've done in our church, which really helps is we do the one minute gospel. So the gospels can be summarized in four words, which is God, God loves you. He created you. He's got a, a plan for your life. He wants to have a relationship with you. Two, sin, that you're selfish. And because of this, you do things that are wrong and you've destroyed relationships and um, you deserve to be punished for that. Three is Christ, that Jesus died on the cross in your place so that he took your sin and gave you his righteousness so that you can come to God. And four is faith. You need to repent of your sin and you need to trust in what Jesus did for you to be saved. Now, that, those four words, can, you can share the gospel with, if you can remember those four words, you can share the gospel. And so that's what we do. And we practice doing that in one minute. And so we, everyone in the church is trained to share the gospel in one minute. Now, if you get longer with someone, great, but uh, often you don't. So you need to be able to explain the gospel in one minute. And so that's one of the main ways we've trained our church to be ready. But the gospel is not just how to get saved. The gospel is how does the world get saved? How does the world get redeemed? And that's the bigger picture of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. And that's... And that takes into account creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. But what you need to do is you need to find ways that the big gospel fits your city. Like in Berlin, it's a city of orphans. People have run away from the rest of Germany so they can party and be wild and be crazy. And they're like orphans, you know? They're living in the pig pen. And so we have to share the gospel from the perspective of God loves you, He's your father, not like your other father, but like a really good father. He's not like your older brother. He's not a legalist. And he wants to love you and adopt you into his family. And that's one of the keys to opening up our city. So you need to find the way the gospel fits your city or people. Like once I was on this airplane coming from Istanbul, and I started sharing the gospel with this young architect, Turkish architect girl who was sitting next to me. And I shared the legal gospel, you know, righteousness, sin, all that. And I looked at it and I realized it, <laughs> it was going straight over her head. And I thought, no, she's a girl. She's an architect. She loves beauty. So I just totally changed the gospel presentation. And I, I, I shared it from the perspective of beauty. Beauty and ugliness. And when I did that, suddenly her heart opened. Now, she didn't pray with me to receive Christ, sadly. But um, um, she, I could see that she'd gone a whole lot closer through that. So you look for ways that fit the people, the city, and the context that you're dealing with. Um, let me give you a couple more testimonies here. Um, this guy, Jasper, in our church, um, let's have a look if you go to the next picture. Jasper is the one in the middle. And so he's a, a Dutch guy who, got, who was in a cult, and he got saved out of a cult, and he joined our church. He was also sexually abused there. Um, and we found him just after that. So he needed a lot of inner healing and um, training. But he's a really great guy, very enthusiastic, and he's a real evangelist. And so what happened is he led his cousin, Lucas, who's now a good friend of our family and Benji's like best buddy. Um, 
He led Lucas, his friend, to Christ when he came to visit him in Berlin. And so he got saved. He also met this guy, David, through his mother, who he works with, and then led him to Christ. And then if you go to the next one, this guy, Christian, when we met him, he, he was on the streets and a heroin addict. Now, if you know that that's, that's pretty down and out. And he, we met him in, in this totally broken state. And Jasper and those friends and some others began working with him, shared the gospel. He got saved, got water baptized, got filled with the spirit, got discipled. And I can't say it was just like this. He went like this. But today, a couple of years later, you can see he's in a bakery. He's now left Berlin and he's in this city on the north coast where is one of the most prestigious bakeries to get trained in to be a baker. And they have 500 applicants and choose only five. And he was chosen as one of those five just a couple of months ago. And there he is getting trained to be a baker. And he's telling everyone about what Jesus has done for him. So that's a great testimony. The third point is make disciples of all nations. We need to go out and make disciples of all nations. It talks about all the world, all creation, to the ends of the earth. So Jesus has got a plan for everyone, everywhere, all the time. That's what we need to realize. And um, so we, we need, to, we need to, be, to be willing to consider a global vision, a global perspective. And that doesn't always mean us going, but like this church, partnering when you give, when you give into this church, you're actually giving to our mission in Berlin because this church supports what we do. So you're actually giving to the nations. And when you give to us, you're supporting us. But you know what we do? We support our church planter in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, Leicester. And so we're giving to them. So actually, when you give here, you're giving to... to, to to Berlin, but you're also giving to Rio. We also support a church planter in Saudi Arabia. So you're giving towards church planting and discipleship in Saudi Arabia. You're also giving towards, we help um, women and children getting rescued from sex trafficking in Ukraine and Poland. So you're supporting that by supporting us, by supporting your church. And you see how it works. So your, your capacity for global impact, it's just exponential when you connect it to a global vision. And when you give your little bit, that little bit goes further and further and further. And that's how it works. And to me, that's really exciting. I love how that works. For an, another great story is of Peter. Um, here, Peter comes from Iceland. He was involved in every kind of vice imaginable. Um, he really did what the younger brother did in uh, Luke 15, if you know what he got up to. And um, so that was st Peter's story. He's a scriptwriter, And when we met him, though, he was totally messed up. He was just broken. But anyway, we did some inner healing with Peter. And then he went on a victory camp. And on the victory camp, he said about Ewan, who's one of our leaders, he said, he, said, he, he told me this, Ewan dragged seven demons out of me. And there he is today giving Jesus all the glory for it, telling all his unsaved, worldly film writer friends about Jesus. And then this guy, Misha, um, God, like, 
touched him in some way, but he didn't know what it meant. And so he was looking for God. And then we did an outdoor water baptism service, and he came to that service just by chance, because he was at the lake. And he, saw, he heard me preach the gospel. Then he saw all these people get baptized, and they give their confession of faith. And then Chris and Anita were watching, who's here who doesn't belong to our group who's interested? And they saw this guy standing there staring. So they went over and they engaged him. And right there and then, gave his life to Jesus. He then got water baptized on the spot and then filled with the Spirit. So praise the Lord. That happened a couple of months ago. Um, So part of discipling the nations is just beginning where you are. If you want to know how to do that, where do you work? Where do you live? Where do you play? What can you do to help people there? Another one is to look at it from compassion. What's the greatest area of pain in your city? Go to that place. One of the greatest areas of pain in Berlin is the refugees that are pouring in. So we really felt God was speaking to us about doing something about it. And I'd like to share the testimony of Amar with you. So that's the next one. So Amar there, he's a Syrian. He fled from Syria. And as he, and by the way, he walked from Syria to Berlin pretty much. So he did obviously get some transport, some of it, but he pretty much walked, him and his brother. So Amar, who's, he's, he's just over 20, he came, and while he was on the way, he had a vision of Jesus. But he didn't know what that meant. And Lucas, the guy who got saved, was now doing outreach at Alexanderplatz. And while he was doing outreach, he met Amar. He shared the gospel with Amar, and he invited him to a church service. And so Amar came, who speaks a little bit of English, at that time no German, and obviously Arabic, came to the service. Anyway, after some time, he got saved, baptized in water, filled with the Spirit. And, so, and, and, and his brother also got baptized at the same time as him. So that's Amar. And then um, here's in the next picture, this is, um, these are the, the three guys um, who are hugging there. Those are three Iranians who got uh, saved in our church, Omid, Muhammad, and Yusef. They got saved, and this girl here on the left, her name is Naya. She's an Iranian, but she's lived in Germany for many years. She's like a film director. That's her main thing. But what she did is she felt God was calling her to go and direct a home for refugees of a, a thousand people. And they'd had a succession of people all resigned because the job is really hard. And the home was, was half filled with Syrians and the other half were Iranians and they were fighting the whole time. So she came in as this little Iranian woman. I mean, and she's a woman in a Muslim context. And she went into that place, helped reconcile those fights. And what happened is she started bringing these three guys to our church service and translating into Iranian. So we actually have that now in our church as well. And these three guys got saved, filled with the Spirit, and baptized. And that's, so that was at the baptism, and that was really great. Um, so we don't, normally, we don't normally put their stuff up publicly because of some security issues, but just you can see that here. Um, and so these three guys are, are now part of our church. And thanks to Naya and her discipleship, and there were some other people who've been involved in that, but that's really great. Um, 
And another great story, if you go to the next one, is, um, okay, yeah. So this was, this was what we did for the, on this last Christmas, we had a, a special service for refugees, and we invited all of these people from the homes. We got presents for everyone, and there were 115 people who came. They heard a very clear gospel presentation. They got a massive big meal, more food than they could possibly eat. All their kids got presents. And about half of them stood for prayer in the name of Jesus to be blessed. And let me, I wrote it down here. Let's just see. 15 took Arabic New Testaments with them as well. And many people we prayed for just through laying on of hands and praying for them. So God has done something there. Um, Then the next picture, let's have a look. Um, This is Yang in the middle. She's a Chinese girl. And so she was reached when we did a university outreach. And what was really great about her is, you know, she was on a a government scholarship. So she was very bright and sent by the Chinese government. And so she didn't know anything about the gospel. But Ruth on the left met her on campus and she got saved. And here she's getting baptized. But what she did, she was so excited that she immediately began Skyping her family. And she led two of her friends and two of her family members to Christ over Skype just after she got saved. Okay, and then the next one here, here is, um, okay, at the concentration camps all across Germany and wherever they had put them, they used to write at the top, Arbeit macht frei, and that means literally um, work will set you free. And it was the great lie that they used as they enslaved people. And so when we heard about that, we decided to make a prophetic statement about that. And so um, one of the guys in our church wrote a song called Deine Liebe macht frei. And that's one of the favorite songs we sing in the church. And so when we recorded an album, that's the, actually the picture of it, Deine Liebe macht frei. And, and, and so, yeah, you could, we've got one for you. And, and so, oh, sorry. It means your love sets you free. And so, that, so we were putting out a, a, sorry, a prophetic statement to, into the culture. And, uh, and so that's just another way we disciple nations is things like that. So the fo- and the fourth big category and the last one is the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is really important. You cannot do everything we're called to do. You cannot do the great, let's put it this way. You cannot do the great commission without God. That's why Jesus said, you must wait until you're clothed with power from on high. I want to tell you that if, if it weren't for the Holy Spirit, we would have, we'd have been on a suicide mission to Berlin and we wouldn't be here talking to you now. We would have been sent back in a body bag. It wouldn't have worked. That's the honest truth. If you're going to be used by God, you need God. You have to be filled with God. And that's what Jesus said. If you read it, it's in every single one of the five great commissions. Jesus said in Matthew 28, I'm going to be with you until the end of the age. In Mark 16, he says, you need to do these signs. You need to cast out demons, speak in new tongues, pray for the sick to be healed, whatever. It's all in there. If you read about Luke, it's wait till you clothed with power from on high. If you read in John, it's, it, Jesus says he breathed the Holy Spirit onto them. If you read in Acts, it says, and um, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, then you're going to receive power to be a witness. I want to tell you, we need power from the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit upon us to do what we call to do. People don't just need the word, they also need the Spirit. 
they don't they need an explanation but they also need a demonstration we need wisdom and power this they go hand in hand it's not one or the other we need both of them so one of the things we've really done to meet this need is we host the school of empowerment for europe in our church and so we partner with pastor jim lafoon if some of you know who he is we call him papa jim and so he comes into our church now to to do the training and so this was the first school of empowerment we had a really great intake from everywhere all around europe and a bit further but the way it happened was even so supernatural is that one day we were in my in my lounge and i had the key leaders of our church just a handful of people and we were about to start talking strategically but i had this nudge maybe we should pray so i, th- I didn't really want to pray i wanted to be strategic and so but i just thought no, maybe we should so i said I think I said, okay, let's talk about this. And then I stopped and then I said, maybe we should take a moment to pray. And as I stopped to do that, and now this does not happen often, it's only happened a few times, the Holy Spirit fell, like boom, in the room. A few people just dropped to the floor. And I got down on my knees and I could sense the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said something to me. He said, how would you like to train my Joel army? Wow. Yes, I'd like to. And then he said, I want you to train them in, my, in the Father's love. And he, and he then listed a few things he wanted about the power of the Spirit, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, etc., and at that same time, then he finished that. And then Ewan was one of the guys there. And he was on the floor. And then he said to me, I want you to set apart Ewan as a prophet. Now, some people might do that lightly. I do not do that lightly. So we went over. I laid hands on him, commissioned him as a prophet. Now, interestingly, then this finished. I was like, how on earth are we going to do this? I'm lying in my bed and this idea comes across my mind. Idea. How about contacting Pastor Jim LaFoon and asking him if he wants to partner with us in establishing a supernatural school of equipping. So I got this idea, which was definitely God. But as I got it, I thought, no. Uh, He's he's not going to do it. That's what I thought. He's not going to do it. I thought, you know, I'm going to email him and he's not even going to, he's not even going to answer me. Anyway, I thought, what have I got to lose? Um, and I had this little prompting. So I wrote him an email, explained to him what we wanted to do. Boom, within 24 hours, I get an email back. Yes, I want to do this. When can I come to Berlin? I was shocked. What I didn't know is that I sent this email to him. He was sitting in a big conference in Nigeria with our Every Nation Church there. And as he was sitting there, the Holy Spirit said to him, Germany is next for you. And then he was doing what he shouldn't have been doing. He checked his messages right in the meeting. I know none of you guys do that, but... He looked at his messages and he sees an email from me. So he clicks on it, opens it up and gets the invitation to come and start a school of empowerment in Germany. He knew... That's the Lord. 
And one of the interesting things that happened, now that he's come, is he's recognized Ewan as a prophet of the Lord. And now he started mentoring him. So this is like the circle that can happen, but only by the Holy Spirit. Like you cannot make that happen. And it's not just about us, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. We have to center ourselves, wait on the Lord, hear his voice, and then step out and act on what he tells us. And when we do what he says to do, then it works. And it's done in his power and his way. One of the testimonies that we got, I'm, I'm moving to, clo- to close soon. One of the, the testimonies that we got from that first school of empowerment, you can't really see in there, but so her, in the next picture, this lady, Annabelle, she's in her 40s. She's from Austria. She came to, for one week to the school of empowerment. In that time, she had a complete spiritual makeover. She was delivered of demons. There was a spirit of death that she was delivered of. She received a prophecy from Jim LaFoon. She was healed of about four different physical ailments that she got healed of through word of knowledge. One of the equippers was there. It was like, okay, God wants to heal this, whatever, back problem. Who's got a back problem like this and this? And then who's that? And then she'd go, yes. And then they would carry on. Okay, now I've got a word for, there's this problem with whatever, someone's knee and then who's that? And she was healed of about four things on the spot. Just like boom, 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 four times. And then she got filled with the spirit and spoken tongues. And she told me afterwards, this week, now she's in her 40s, eh? she says to me, this week was the most powerful week of my entire life. Powerful. And the last testimony I'll share is this guy called Martin. So what happened is we've been doing all this university outreach, and to be honest, it's been really hard to reach students. And... Um, so we were just, we declared a fast. We said, we're going to fast and pray for five days. And we invited the whole church to it. On the third day, we did something a little crazy, okay? So you don't always have to do it like this, but we did. And we went out publicly to one of the squares, Frankfurt Tour. And we got in a circle, someone with a guitar. We started worshiping the Lord and praying right there, publicly, early in the morning as well. So about eight o'clock in the morning, we're doing this. That's early in Berlin. And um, we're praying like this. And this guy, Martin, I could see him from where I was in that circle. I could see him come out. He stopped. He looked at us. And then he started walking towards us. I thought, ah, he must be a Christian. Because only a Christian would approach a group like this. <laughs> the rest of the Berliners will be like, what is that cult? Or, you know, something crazy. Anyway. So he walks over, so I came out of the circle and me and another girl, Bernadette, started speaking to him. And I soon realized, no, he's not a Christian, he's an atheist. And he was attracted by the sound of the music and he liked it, so he came. And so Bernadette and I, right there, we just started sharing the gospel with him. And this was his last day in Berlin, he was gonna leave. He was actually on his way to the train station. He had his backpack on. So what happened is we shared the gospel with him and right then he said, I'm gonna give my life to Jesus. He took his backpack off, put it down and prayed with us to receive Christ. And then I took this picture with him on the train on the way to to the main train station. 
um, and, he, and he gave his life to the Lord through this crazy sp- spiritual way. I mean, we weren't even there to evangelize. So what I want to encourage you is that it's the power of the Spirit that's necessary to make this all happen. We can't do it. No one of us can do it in our own. We need to be filled with God. And that's what I'd like to close and pray for, is number one, I'm hoping that through some of these testimonies, you're going to be encouraged to say, I want to play my part in the Great Commission. And you want to dedicate yourself to that. You're not dedicating yourself to go to another country. You're just dedicating yourself to be used by God right where you are. And then I'd like to pray for you to be freshly filled with the Holy Spirit, that you can be sent out to do His will, His way, and in His power. So if you'd like to commit to that, and please don't feel you have to, but if God is stirring in your heart, you want to commit yourself to fulfilling the Great Commission, then won't you stand and pray with me now? Why don't you just open your heart up to God any way you know best. You can feel free to, to raise your hands or to bow your head or whatever, whatever, however you would like to do it. Father, I pray for these precious people who you love so much. I'm praying you'd speak to them now by your Holy Spirit, that you would draw them, that you'd give them specific guidance and specific burdens right now. And let's pray a prayer together, and I'll lead you in this prayer, and why don't you repeat these words? Jesus, I come to you now as the king of the Great Commission, and I consecrate myself to the Great Commission, to fulfilling your last words, to fulfilling your last wishes. I ask that you would send me out, that I would go wherever you want me to go, that I would, that I would be bold to preach the gospel to anyone you want me to preach to, that I would be a part of making disciples of all nations. And I ask that you fill me afresh now with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I need you. I need your power. I need your guidance. I need your grace. Amen. I'm just going to pray for an impartation though right now, so get ready for something. Um, Because I do feel I need to impart just some some spiritual power. So just be open for that right now. So you don't, it's not like you have to shake or fall over or anything, but just receive it in your spirit, all right? Thank you, Father, that you've given us the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you've poured out the Holy Spirit. And right now, I'm praying for a fresh filling of your spirit, a fresh impartation right now in the name of Jesus. And right now, we release a fresh sense of the presence of God right now. People are going to sense the Spirit of God on individual people and over this church we just release that right now we release that 
And I want to pray also right now for an impartation of a spirit of might, which is the strength to keep going. So just receive that. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I release a spirit of might over this house, over the leadership, and over every individual in here in the name of Jesus. Right now, I release that, that fighting spirit to not give up, to be determined, to be fierce. I release it right now in the name of Jesus. I say, be strong, be courageous. Do not give up. Do not give up. I declare it over this house in the name of Jesus. I release a spirit of faith in the name of Jesus. I release a spirit of might right now in the name of Jesus, a warrior spirit in Jesus' name. And right now, Lord, I pray specifically for an anointing to cast out demons, Lord God, to come on this house. Right now, we pray for it, that you're gonna anoint certain people. We release discernment in the spirit. And we release a fresh anointing to cast out demons right now in the name of Jesus. People who've been wanting that, hungering for it, maybe just even in the testimonies, we release it right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, now for heavenly downloads, heavenly downloads that you're gonna, you're gonna speak to people, even to the leadership for this whole church, just divine moments of encounter and direction will be released. Thank you, Father, for that. We bless this house. We bless it in the, with the Father's blessing, with the power, the provision, and the strength of heaven. And everybody said...